Richard Blank, CEO of Costa Rica's call center. Hey, it's Kellen today on Diversified Game. For all you entrepreneurs who are running around doing 10 things and say, I need to clone myself, I, I need a team. Today, Sir Richard Blank, I give him that because he's in paradise, originally from Philadelphia, but in Costa Rica and really enjoying life and business. So, a scooter, man. Mira, <laughs> I want you guys to really pay attention right now. Um, Sir Richard Blank, welcome to the show. Give us the game on call centers in Costa Rica. Yeah, Kellen, I'm so happy to be on the Diversified Game Business Show. We're going to uh, have a great time today. I got a lot of tips and tricks and a great story to tell. And once again, I'm originally from Philadelphia. And the fact that I ended up in Costa Rica, it was a long shot. But my friend, it paid off. Awesome. How, tell the people, how did you get started? Was this your first business? Did some venture capitalist or blue blood just give you a bag of money and say, I want you to live your dream? Like, how did it begin? Yeah, Kellen, that's an excellent question. Well, back in 2000, I was given an opportunity to come to Costa Rica for two months to work at my friend's call center. I was 27 at the time in between things in the United States. So I got past my parents' guilt, took that one in a million opportunity and came here and I worked in my friend's center for four years. So I didn't start off as C-level. I was with the proletariat with thousands of local Costa Rican Ticos, watching them make and receive calls and showing the art of speech. And I guess I gravitated towards it. And after a period of time, I found ways to enhance the experience. And when I was in my mid thirties, I had impulse control, maturity, and a little bit of cash save that I threw my hat in the ring and started my center. And I did it slow and steady. There were no VCs. I didn't take any loans out. I started by renting a turnkey station from a blended call center to pay my taxes, salary, and make the margin. Then I rented space and built it out to about 150 seats. And then just recently, I built out a 300 capacity call center, which I'm currently in. And it was all done with cash. I could do it where I could weather storms, sleep well at night, not have any partners grilling me or banks pressuring me. I just wanted to show responsibility so I could give my agents here that sort of job stability so they could have faith in my company and continue to help me grow. Now, someone can hear just that part of the story and say, I knew it. I needed to go to Costa Rica, Panama, Colombia. But hold on. Wait, before you guys do that, not everybody has a degree also in Spanish and has studied in Spain. So how important is it before those young entrepreneurs say, I need to go? Is it when you go to a new place to actually know the language and you know, be able to communicate with the people? My good friend, that takes a lot of dedication and practice. And plus it's cognitive skills. If you don't like it, then it's a forced fit and you'll never grasp it. It can definitely assist you. And even if you do not speak the language, if you still realize you're a guest in another country, keep an open mind, understand their traditions and cultures, and not be the loud foreigner causing trouble because you're not on a home court advantage, then I think your experience could be well. Now, for me, this opportunity was built on momentum. When I was 18 years old, graduating from high school in Northeast Philadelphia, class of 91 Avenue. I doubled down on languages. I didn't decide to study law or medicine or go to Ivy League. From there, I went to the University of Arizona, was a communication Spanish major. 
So besides classroom study, there were so many Latinos in Tucson that all the world's a stage. I was able to practice my craft and do dedicated practice. And through internships with Telemundo and selling beer post-grad for Corona, I had these Spanish speaking skills, which was a positive reinforcement. So at least I had the, that sort of uh, weapons in my arsenal and I could use them. But when I did come here, Kellen, it, it really did show good faith. I was able to understand more and in a faster way. And so I guess that sort of experience made it easier, but, but check it out. This was my first business I ever started. I was just an agent and then went to an owner. So I never went through those sort of stages of supervision or management because you could always lose your essence of what got you there in the first place and then fall into bad habits of backstabbing or office politics to climb that ladder. So I just never wanted to compromise those ethics. I, I wanted to keep my leadership pure. And I think that's why people that work with me, not for me, understand that I am committed for their growth. And that's the sort of thing that has made me last so long. I love that. And if you would just, you know, go just a little deeper for someone, I, I, I use that term often. I, nobody works for me. You either work with me or we're not working because I, I don't want to be your daddy. I just want the work to be done. But what do you mean for that, you know, someone who might have just heard that for the first time, the people who work with you and not for you? Well, it's as simple as empathy. I mean, I was able to put myself in their shoes. I sat in a cubicle. I was in the lunchroom, munching on a burger next to some people listening to the good and the bad and the happy and the sad. And since I am a CEO of a company, I have leverage. I could hire or fire, make or break. I prefer the former. I don't need to have this sort of reputation or stigma or misconception that I'm supposed to be walking rows and firing people and have everyone afraid of me. Listen, if you're not cheating on a test, why are you afraid of a teacher? If you're not breaking the law, why are you afraid of a cop? And if you're coming to work on time, pen at the ready, coachable, wanting to be your best, why would you be afraid of me? I'm giving you a fair shake and don't judge me on your last boss or your last supervisor as I'm not judging you. Everybody gets to start out clean and fresh. And the fact that I may be the only boss that knows your name, I've gotten that sort of feedback a lot. That's a shame because these other business owners have the chance to engage and know the people that work with them and put wind in their sails. They decide not to, but I wanted to create an environment, a certain sort of synergy where people can not only feed off of one another, but, but we spend more time here than we do with our own family sometimes. So it's important to recharge those batteries so we can confront any sort of issues we may have outside the office, which could potentially affect the work here. And so as long as I'm that sort of boss, then it seems to work. And finally, I also use a little bit of Philly guilt. I'll call the balls and the strikes. I'm gonna say, hey, Kellen, you know you're better than that. Come on, last week you did 12, today you did two. And also you're out of character. Where's the sunglasses? Where's the smile? What's going on today? Yeah. This is not the man that I know. And so I'll call people out from time to time, not to knock them down, but to rebalance them and set them straight like a boxer so they can go a couple more rounds and win this thing. That's all. It's just about resetting oneself. Tell the people, because you, as far as the words you use, your delivery, and even your appearance, I love the suit. Where did you learn 
Was it Toastmasters? Was it the NSA? You know, was it just maybe even learning a second language where you, you know, have to kind of really master the first and say, this is what I really mean. And I'm in Spanish. I know you're cold. I'd hate to see you on a dance floor because you probably can take two women at the same time, dance all around, do all, just you know, two? <laughs> just two. <laughs> We're talking four. You got to have the, got to have the two. <clears throat> I love it. Where yeah. did that come from? How did you develop it? Because right now in the social media age, we're finding people dating just on these phones. And it's like, you know, you don't like communication. You don't really want to touch. You don't want to, you know, feel the person. So how did you develop that? Well, everyone needs to slow down for a minute. There's a lot of things that go into this pizza pie. The first and foremost, of course, I'm dressed for your show. Kelly, you're my friend. I respect the work that you do. Besides wearing this for my office, if I were at home, I'd still dress for you. Just out of respect. And also, this is a serious business show, so I might be, you know, communicating and relating to others that are in this position of myself that do wear a tie for a living. So I'll let you know there's still people out there that do this. That's number one. I will mention some influences early in my career because I always enjoyed speaking. I enjoyed rhetoric, delivery, people that moved you. If I may recommend three actors that really assisted me in regards to my performance would be Basil Rathbone back in the 40s when he was Sherlock Holmes with Nigel Bruce. His delivery was choice. I could only wish to be one-tenth of one percent of that. I also enjoyed Remington Steele, which was Pierce Brosnan's show in the 80s, and Templeton Peck, which was known as Face Man from the A-Team. These individuals were so cunning, so clever, their vocabulary was choice. Their delivery was spot on. They had a smile. And, you know, ethically, you could sometimes question what they were trying to do. But if you take away the ethics and you just look at the sort of self-confidence and composure, I felt that it was non-threatening. It was something that could be appropriate to the majority of the audiences and mediums. And also represent yourself in the best light. And... There are certain times to wear a suit, but there is always a certain time to be respectful, diplomatic, strategic, and show active listening and engagement. And just by having these sort of skills, I was able to skip levels and bypass the chum in the water shark nonsense that most people are going for because they're not true. They're not pure. They're plastic. I could follow the rules, but there's always a special sauce, Kelvin. I had to separate myself from the others. If not, I'll be judged accordingly. And so by standing tall and believing in myself, maybe making myself vulnerable for critique or feedback, I was able to withstand. And I stand by my own brand and who I am because the way that you and I were raised by our parents and grandparents was the old school way. We put our phones down, we listen, we know our please and thank yous. We're extremely appreciative. And I've kept that sort of mindset in any sort of personal and business relationship. And it seems to remind people of where we once were and where we should be, because you just mentioned this phone and social networking. Put that nonsense away. God forbid we run out of batteries. What are we going to do? We can't talk. And so I, if you and I have the pleasure of having dinner one day, which happens soon, and it's on me, by the way, as much as you can eat sush. Um, there is no way I will be looking down 
if you take your shades off, I'll even look in your eyes. But I will definitely have a, uh, a wonderful, filled conversation with you that we can capture that moment, if that makes any sort of sense, Calvin. Oh, it definitely makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And yes, if it's low light, I can take the shades, my prescription shades, because uh, without them, I'm, I'm dangerous on the, on the thing. With the call center serving so many different businesses, tell the folks the start of you took your own capital, you created this business to solve problems for that entrepreneur right now listening and saying, I need somebody I, but I don't know what I need. I just know I need somebody. And it's on the website, his website. You guys, you can look in services, uh, whether you're listening, the links are in the description, YouTube, you can see it there. Pick up the YouTube numbers for those of you who are listening and check out the suit and just the delivery. And I don't tell you guys that often on the podcast, but I want you to see how you should or could look. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. But it's just, it's, it's a great, I, I just love, I love it. So how did you start? Kelly. Thank you so much, man. Huge yeah. compliment. You just gave me a knockout right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you're clean. And, and I wear typically African suits because I'm pushing a point and letting people, it, you know, it, come to Africa. We can start your business. So every, everything I wear is always kind of, you know, just art when I'm out okay. and about. And yeah. right now I can only get my head formed here. So that's why you can only see my head. I got to work on that. But um, just the start in the services, let the people, and I said services, folks, thanks to Avisaline. I'm trying to do these interviews with the Avisaline and y'all. Um, how, how did you and what services do you provide for businesses and what type of entrepreneurs and businesses do you want at this moment? Wonderful. We handle outbound lead generation appointment setting and sales, inbound customer support and back office support. But that's what I offer. How about this? I turn down more business than I accept. You can bring me an idea, but it has to pass the smell test. It can't be gray area shady. And if it's something that has unrealistic expectations, as much as I can take the account, it's a seller's market. Maybe like Chuck E. Cheese birthday parties, nobody shows up to do it. <laughs> and then you realize that your campaign is something that's not marketable. So there needs to be a good fit. And this is a very strict Catholic country, Cal. So these agents need to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living and they can't compromise their ethics. I, I refuse to earn a dollar that way. And so the clients that we're looking for are first ones that will respect these local Costa Rican labor laws. So there's no surprises. There's no unrealistic expectations. And secondly, even if someone's starting from scratch, it's my pleasure to assist in writing the script, doing the rebuttals. I have a CRM system. We have a predicted dialer. I have a quality assurance department and supervision, and I can easily onboard and put together a project for you. If you have something already in place, we compare apples. If you're growing so much and you're just overflowing, plug and play it. And so there's many different stages, but the best part with me is that I like consulting. I always do a ton of listening. I'll write down everything you say. And then when you're finished, I'll go through one by one and I'll give my point of view. And if I agree, disagree and why. And then I'll always throw two or three more things in there. Why? Just to establish my credibility. I'll let you know it's not my first rodeo. I can bite an apple when I'm juggling. But also to let you know with me, there's no surprises. I'm very forthright. 
And my clients respect me for that. The best relationships are built if something does come up, a hiccup. You judge character during chaos. And if I can communicate with my clients in real time, let them know what's happening, have a solution, discuss it, green light it, and implement it, that's a long-term relationship, not a one and a done. And so prior to anything happening, I'm not being a Debbie Downer or a negative Nancy, but they have to realize if you're boxing, you might take one in the chin. So I have to bring up with them natural attrition rates, disruptions in regards to internet redundancy, the quality of a list, conversion ratios and pipeline building in the sort of training that we do. And maybe novice to them, it's natural to me, but it's my pleasure to walk them through our resources and infrastructure. So from an educated point of view, Cal, they can make a decision and move forward with my company. Love it, love it. Now, do you have a course or even a book out there for the people that, they, that you've written they, they can buy? I do not have that at the moment. The first book I will be writing will be a children's book that combines Rube Goldberg experiments and mini golf. So just sit tight, I'm gonna have something good for you. But no, my man, this is, this is just live theater. This is uh, paying it forward. Me today, you tomorrow, Kellen, where yeah. I've been given momentum, wisdom, and encouragement. And it is my responsibility to represent my country in the best light, the United States of America, myself as a business owner maybe shatter any sort of misconceptions of what it's like to be a CEO telemarketer because you've seen the movies, The Wolf of Wall Street, Boiler Room, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, The Prime Gig, I can name a thousand more. And yes, I mean, it's, it's amazing what some people can do on the phone and there's such incredible confidence levels and ability to perform. And when I see somebody here with a second language, which to me bears the mark of higher education, cracking codes, getting to different levels. When I make a thesaurus suggestion for their similes and you start seeing an expansion of their vocabulary to really capture the attention of the client. Doing name drops, personal pronouns like your and our to give that quarter second slide extension just to bring you back into the conversation for the knockout rebuttal shot. Maybe even my favorite thing, this is the million dollar bit of advice. If you're prospecting a company and you speak to a gatekeeper, I don't see them as negative, flip it around, it's a positive. It's a positive escalation. If I can properly introduce myself and get transferred to the decision maker, I will always let them know verbally how amazing this individual was. And when I do a follow-up email, I'll do it in writing. Nobody does that. Shows good commitment before any sort of contracts. And if I happen to call that company back, Whomever answered the phone is going to remember me, thank me for that compliment, pass me forward again, or potentially just tell me more about the company culture so I can build rapport better. And so instead of trying to angle in your way or pretending like someone's waiting for your call, no, do a positive escalation with whomever you speak with at that company and make sure that you acknowledge that because prior to even pitching yourself, you are complimenting this company culture. You're mentioning names that nobody else is doing. You mentioned me separating myself from others. That's another thing that I'm doing. It's not because I'm wearing a loud tie or pushing and waving my hand in the front of the class like a teacher's pet. No, we were calm and cool about that. We slid in there. There's no rushing. We didn't slide. And it's just, it's one of those things where we get noticed. We're not causing a scene. 
And then effectively, your chances go from half court to three point to foul line shot percentages. Nothing's 100%, no straight lines in nature. Well, my man, if you're getting 20% resistance and 80% conversion compared to the opposite, you're gonna be making a ton of bread. <laughs> so it's a sort of soft skills that we share here at this call center. Definitely, definitely. And you're creating jobs, you know, what is another community give back that you are doing or that you would like to do in the future? I feed families. This is a multi-generational society. So these individuals may be living with their parents and grandparents. And so when uh, their family comes to the office to pick them up or to meet them, it gives me the opportunity to go downstairs and to compliment you to your mother. And they almost have to pull me away. And I'm not just the kind of person saying, yeah, Kellen's great, nice guy, love working with him. Oh no, I'll give two or three real examples of the call I listened to on your second year anniversary, how we broke bread together, how you and I are in my game room playing pinball and hanging out and uh, you know, laughing with the boss because instead of being afraid of me, now we work well together. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. You know that your family will be proud of you because you get that sort of respect that most people never get. And so I, I wish I had a CEO million dollar cracked code, but I keep going back to the simple ABCs and one, two, three, is this the same stuff we learned in kindergarten? And I'm taking these old school lessons that created friendships, respect, and the sort of relationship building, and I'm putting it into the office environment. And those are the sort of things, my friend, where I feel like I'm giving back to this society besides just giving jobs. It's, success is built on one million thank yous. And if I've been able to build somebody's marketing skills, English skills, their self-confidence and reliance, then I've done my job. And talking about doing your job, do you even ever come back to the United States? And when you do, what is your take? When you, what's the feeling that you get if you do come back ever? Well, I come back all the time. I have family in Colorado, Arizona, and Philadelphia. And it's kind of weird because when I come back, it's same place, different time. So I'm kind of stuck in my mindset where I had more hair when I was younger. But time's moved on. And the restaurants I remember aren't there anymore. I don't live in the same house I grew up in. And a lot of my friends have moved. So it's not the same when I drive those old streets. And sometimes things look dated. And that upsets me a little bit that they don't keep up with their appearances. But um, I see certain frustrations and you know, I'm not gonna get political or anything like that, but I understand that some people might feel uh, restricted in one way or another. But the, but the main thing is, let's say during cocktails when everyone's telling fun stories, the one thing they say to me is, Richard, I wish I took my chance. Doesn't mean they need to move abroad or learn a second language, but a lot of them were given opinions when they were young and their careers were predestined. And so maybe some of them wanted to have their own vision quest maybe their personal spiritual life journey, even for a little bit, just to drink life and just to see what it was like. That's why people backpack in Europe before getting a job or they, they, they bounce around and try different internships before settling in on a career. Well, I decided to take it a little bit further. I realized that I did not want to live somebody else's life and I wanted to live my own. Could I have made more money in the States? Sure. 
but I probably wouldn't have been on this podcast today. I would have been a different man. So what I see is that some people, when they punch in their scorecard and they see where they are in life, they're very successful. They have the kids, the family, the career, the two cars and the doggy dog. But I think they were just missing out on doing that one thing in life that would have been true to themselves when they were dreaming as young men and women. And for me, maybe it's being selfish. My intentions were honorable. I might've disappointed some people in regards to some decisions that I made, but I do know this. When I put my head on the pillow at night and I was thinking about my future, I didn't think I was gonna be a CEO of a call center. I didn't even know what one was, but I knew I wanted to leave a castle and I wanted to slay a dragon, save a princess, and eventually Kellen, become a prince. And the only way to do that was to take some forced marches, sometimes walk alone. And I had to make that sort of commitment. If not, it would have been a very shallow life. And, and I just didn't want something like that. I got a vision. Next time you come, if you come around the 1st of January, you got to come to the NATP. You're, I bet your office is a reality show waiting to happen. And the beautiful thing about being able to do it in English and Spanish that turkey buys more telenovelas than almost anybody. And yeah, yeah you gotta be at the natpe.org. You guys check that conference out. That's where the buyers are in TV. I see it, like you're made for TV. <laughs> you, you, it's just, it's in you. And you do a lot of public speaking, like for professional public speaking. Unless you wanna think that my own call center is my only audience, yes. Um, the largest audience I ever did was when I interned for Telemundo. I did a Javelina Cantina chili eating contest for the Tucson Toros baseball game in front of 5,000 people. And so that sort of experience that they gave me was incredible. And hats off to Jay Cohn at Telemundo for that amazing opportunity. But no, nah, I mean, this, this right here is natural. I'm not a commissioned artist. I have no 1995 seminar book. You are my main man. I love your work. The fact that I'm here today is definitely a feather in my cap. And um, maybe one day we'll see where this goes. But here's the beauty of it. And I've done a bunch of podcasts. I'm, I'm very consistent. And it's not like I'm one trick pony, but I, I am true to myself in regards to my tone and my composure and my thought process. Um, I, I really want to make sure that any sort of message that I deliver is clean, something you can listen to in the car with the kids, but it might be able to save a marriage, could save a family during Thanksgiving if you do this conflict management skills and you possibly reduce any sort of uh, negative feedback to people because given the luxury of time, Kellen, if I don't immediately have to answer something if there's heightened anxiety, I prefer people take a step back, sleep on it, adjust yourself, maybe write a draft and not send it. Because in the spur of the moment, you could say something wrong. And then how are you gonna walk that back? But if you are given the luxury of time, if you are allowed to ponder and relax, it's incredible how you're able to reset yourself, come back to a relationship and not ruin it, but strengthen it. And that's just part of maturity. And so these are the sort of messages I'm trying to share besides giving you tips and tricks in telemarketing. But also, you know, just to have a certain culture that is inviting. It was important for me to have games here. I collect pinball machines, jukeboxes, and retro arcade machines. I'm still a kid. 
but I've created an environment that's neutral where people can let off steam and recharge batteries and make friends. Dessert first, recess you still get no matter what year you are in school. And I had to incorporate play because that's where the best relationships are built. I know I'm supposed to be a serious adult. Well, you do you, <laughs> this is my company. I'm allowed to do me. And so the individuals that work here get it. And that's why they love this sort of mom and pop smaller place to make a name for yourself compared to being lost amongst thousands where you don't really find any sort of upward mobility. And the answer is yes to the person saying, I wonder if I can go down to Costa Rica, go play with Pac-Man and those oh. different games. Um, why not take the chance, especially if you're young, you're about to finish, you know, you finish grad school early, say, go live a life, go try something different. It worked for Richard. He seems happy. He comes back to the U.S. and he doesn't stay a bit too long because there's a big world out there for you guys. So I want you to go tap in. I want you to go check out his website. You know, go, go yeah, go bother him, Mary. Go say, hey, I want to book him for, for something. Because, again, excuse me, I'm getting choked up. And I think it's the Abyssalai. But, <laughs> but I really, I see it. I see the joy. And that's the beautiful thing about having a show like this is being able to talk to great people. Richard, give the people some words of wisdom because wisdom is that at all time low it seems i wish you could bring people like george carlin and jesus back um just so they could talk and it would be a great conversation but Brent, give the people some words of wisdom and you know some last words let me make it a supreme pizza i'll put a lot of toppings on this one first one is fortune favors the brave and secondly don't don't let the naysayers and grave believers hold you back be responsible financially and with your family but if you have a certain desire in life go for it but Here's my best thing, dedicated practice. You and I are at a stage right now where we make it look easy, but nobody sees the training before the heavyweight fights. And so it took me years to learn Spanish and to build that sort of confidence to throw my hat in the ring. And when you and I are not on the air, what sort of writing do we do? Phone calls that we make, thought process. When we're in the gym training, do we pay attention to what we're doing to hone our skills, to get better at what we do? So for me, it just wasn't five hours a week in Spanish. I had to live it. Went to Spain for a year, my junior year. And also watching movies, reading books, having intercambios so I could practice my Spanish. It was something that I gave that full commitment on. And most people quit 80% in. That's why the greatest stories are when people survive on the high seas or the desert or get off of that mountain after they have broken bones and they're starving and really on death's door. There's something that gets them there. I'm not saying this is the be all end all, but there is something inside of us that drives us towards our destiny. And what I did is not for everybody. In fact, if you think about it, it is a very huge long shot. Snowball's chance. How my stars became aligned, I have no idea. And that's why my toes are still tapping every day for me. It's just a holiday. You got to be kidding me. It should have never lasted this long, but it did. And so that's why I'm letting you know that even if it didn't work out, I could look at myself in the mirror for the rest of my life. and know that I was going for it, that I had the vigor. I was willing to die with my boots on. 
And that's the sort of thing where if I look back at myself, that young man in my early teens that had these dreams of life, I went the distance. I was very committed towards that individual because I just didn't want my dream to die. And sometimes it takes you in different directions. I didn't know about Costa Rica or call centers, but you get these one in a million opportunities and you may need to be selfish sometimes and take it. And so, Kelly, I can't thank you enough. This was just way too much fun. You do an awesome interview. And the fact that I could share my crazy story, I think it's great. And so anybody that wants to come visit me, I got a ton of suggestions for you. And I bet you he can teach you how to flamingo dance. He learned that in Sevilla, Spain, I'm sure. España. Uh, you know, when you guys Google it, the American audience, it's not Seville. It's not a Cadillac. Um, but that is wonderful. I thank you for sharing the game. You guys, I thank you for listening, watching, whatever you're doing, whether it's iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, our latest partner at AYB Radio in Freetown, Sierra Leone, and of course, YouTube and every other place for video. Keep pushing it. And if you do nothing else besides rewind, take notes, make sure you share this game. It will change somebody's life. Be blessed, y'all. If you like this art behind me and pieces like that, whether it's my shirt that's matching the art, make sure you contact me, whether you want an NFT or physical form, there's utilities behind any NFT that I would ever sell. It's all, you know, privately done. Let's talk. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia? Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is gonna cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that 100 US dollars is worth a 1,000 South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African. I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to. Um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out.